Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello and welcome to the Yahoo Sports Fantasy Podcast. I'm Liz Loza. I'm in Tampa and in the same room as Wait For It. Scott Pianowski finally been doing this show for how many weeks now? And we finally get to look each other in the eye, though you're not. You are avoiding eye contact. I am looking at you very intensely. And also on the other side of the room, we've got Mr. Brad Evans, who you is more glassy fantastic. eyed. Well, I was just going to mention your glassy eyes. We've yeah. been having a good time I, here at the yeah. fantasy. We're, we're both haggard. This is the FSTA, now the FSGA. Brad, this is something, a change uh, that you are particularly passionate about in Tampa. Yeah, well, Scott is as well. Yeah, that's so true. Fantasy Sports and Gaming Association. That's the uh, new name change uh, from the Fantasy Sports Trade Association. And it is, uh, what, lack of a better pun, game changing for the industry just because, yeah, you like that, didn't you? <laughs> it's early. And you could tell that we were out late last night. So you got to just roll with the brain cells slowly firing right now. But no, it's big because. You know, there's a, a massive overlap we've seen in the Ipsos research uh, between wagering and fantasy playing. And, you know, they're, Scott and I, we're very public about the fact that we like a little action on the side with some of the games. And, you know, we're also ardent supporters of fantasy. So there are a lot of people just like us throughout the entirety of the industry in, in this post-pass by error with the groundswell that's occurring with the wagering space, state by state, trying to figure out the logistics there. But the popularity, Scotty, is only going to grow and, and probably at an exponential rate. So it's wise for the FSTA to change the name and fully embrace gaming as a part of the overall genre. And what's great for the fantasy player is that if you just have experience as a fantasy player, you already have a lot of the handicapping chops that are going to really come into play as the industry changes, whether it's you want to play games straight out or you become interested in player props or some of the hybrid games that are going to be exploding all over the industry. And I'm sure Yahoo will be a big player in that, but other sites as well. Um, the essence of fantasy is I can predict the NFL or Major League Baseball, or whatever sport it is, better than you can. And you're going to have more ways than possible, uh, more ways than, than previous to uh, to show those skills going forward. And Daily Fantasy is obviously probably the closest product to the overlap. And let's talk about – now, we don't have a Daily Fantasy game for the Super Bowl. No, uh, no. It, we, it's not a single-game contest that we offer. There are other sites that do, but at Yahoo DFS, we do not. We do not. But we have been offering. We've been giving you our bargains and fades. So we're just going to open it up and talk about the Super Bowl in general now that we do know that the Los Angeles Rams – Oh, here we go. Will Bear, be, bearing the lead here, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, we'll be heading to Atlanta to take on Scott's 
New England Patriots. Again. again. Back. <laughs> well, yeah. the Back Rams have never taken them on. So that part of yes, it isn't have. again. Yes, they, well, the St. Louis, St. Louis Rams. Rams. This is, a nice, this is a nice symmetry if the Patriots happen to win that the Brady era could start with an upset of the Rams in that first Super Bowl trip. The Mike Martz greatest show on turf Rams. Um, that may have been before you bandwagon fanned on the Rams. So <laughs> different city, different time, Jab. different quarterback, different running back. But You know what the difference between being a Rams fan and being a Bears fan is? Three points, baby. Look, it, it, you're still shrouded in controversy the fact yeah, that the you're there. Yeah. So. It is about the kicking A game. field goal. That's the difference. Here's what I want people to appreciate about the Patriots, okay? The big story, I think, in the NFL this year was that defense was almost impossible and the middle of the field's wide open and, oh, my God, look at the passing games. Look at the offenses and everything. And very quietly, the Patriots have morphed into a power running game. Their offense is about their offensive line. It's about three running backs who rotate in. You know, Brady is still a factor, but this isn't a high-flying passing game. Brady didn't have a great regular season or fantasy season. Probably the end of Rob Gronkowski's career. I think he's going to retire no matter what the result is. We'll see about Brady. You know, Edelman's a good player, but he's not one of the – you'd never say he's one of the top ten receivers in football or something like this. The Patriots are pounding people, holding the ball, long-scoring drives in a league where – it's all about pinball. It's just interesting that they're zagging in, in a world where everybody was zigging and, and you know, throwing for 400 yards a week. And, you know, Mahomes is going to be the MVP. And what a great season he had. And here's New England taking a page out of the 1978 playbook. Well, it's Belichick's consistent ability to adjust, right? He's not attached to any particular scheme. Master of adaptation. Correct. Mm. <clears throat> so kudos to the New England Patriots. It's very hard for me to believe that Tom Brady will lose the Super Bowl two nights, two nights. Lord, I lost a lot of nights over the past (laughs) year. That Tom Brady will lose the Super Bowl two years in a row. Uh, They are the favorite. 505 and no punts last year. I mean, it wasn't his fault. He made one, one bad play. I mean, he was terrific in that game. Well, and Sonny Michelle is really like, you know, just a kind of uh, piggyback on what Scott was saying. I mean, Michelle is really, uh, you know, evolved into a stud Corey Dillon like running back for this franchise. You know, the, the guy that can carry the mail 20 times per game, uh, take the lick and keep on ticking. I mean, his yards after contact numbers in the postseason have been outstanding. Uh, the eye test, I mean, he's been punching it in. It's, it's just brilliance. It, it really is. Yeah, I hammered that pick all year, and now I'm thinking maybe it was right. I mean, remember, <laughs> first round running back, what are they doing? Spending first round capital, albeit late first round right. capital on a running back. It's such a replaceable position. Running backs don't matter. You can find them anywhere. It's working out now. Yeah, and and you know, remember, now. remember Michelle had that stretch of about five games, uh, middle portion of the regular season, and he was just gangbusters. And then kind of took a back seat, well, faded a little bit. That was also because Josh yep. Gordon, Josh Gordon was a factor for yep. a portion of the season. And again, they add a piece, they adjust. They lose a piece, they adjust. Uh, Philip Dorsett has come on in the postseason. He scored in three straight games, yeah. actually. Yeah, uh, and that's been incredible to watch. So. I guess the question is, well, let, let's talk about the line is opening. The Patriots are the favorites. They're giving two and a half, um, and the point total is 57, 57 and a half, depending where yeah, you're looking. Side, yep. I think we are all in agreement that that seems a bit high. I don't know, Scott, if you are. I would take no, the under would, on that. I would shade under, too. Um, I, I don't think the Patriots are going to have trouble covering, personally. Well, and it's just it's the style that they're exhibiting right now. Just again, going back to what Scott said with this ground and pound system that they have implemented and the defense that's another underrated portion of new england they had their struggles in the trenches they've given up some chunk plays on the ground but on the back end stephon gilmore and and friends they've done a tremendous job defensively uh in that area now you didn't necessarily see it the entire game against patrick mahomes but patrick mahomes is alien he's on another planet right now in terms of what he brings to the table but that defense is a very underappreciated part of this uh direction new england has taken 
So, yeah, I think they're going to lean on defense. They're going to lean on the ground game. And that always screams under, under, under. Yeah, they want to possess the ball in this game. They want to have a time of possession edge. Look, remember the snap edge in the Kansas City game where they had a two to one snap edge and that Kansas City defense was absolutely out of gas. Oh, they were shredded. In the overtime. Yeah, they were done. I really think Andy Reid screwed up not calling a proactive timeout in the overtime. That is defense. <laughs> Taking those three timeouts. Ima- imagine the that. Guy. Yeah. 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 He's going to take those timeouts with him. But. And this Rams defense, the weakness of it is the run defense. You know, as, as yep. much as they have well, great Well, Sue has come on over the postseason stretch here. I mean, he has mauled in a way like he, he did hold Ezekiel Elliott to what fewer. Oh, respectable than, you know. total, but that's that's still been a bugaboo for them the entire sure, year. Sure, but I also think it's something that Fair they're point. aware of and good, they're working on. It's been good on. in the postseason. Yeah. The rushing you know, defense has been better. good in the postseason. It's been better. We'll he's that. finally getting his money's worth now. Well, and, and I want to mention the Patriots defense real too, quick. Um, yeah, go ahead. Because we, we talked on the Patriots defense. We can go back to the Rams, but we should note that Brian Flores, the uh, defensive coordinator, is now going to be, of course, once this Super Bowl is over, the head coach of the Miami Dolphins. Mm-hmm. So... The AFC is that East. exciting? I mean, the AFC East is very well, into I, themselves, I guess so yeah, there's some hires there. They ran know? out of jobs for Flores because he's had just about every job in his. Pay- I mean, he was an offensive coach for a while. He's been a secondary coach. I think his technical role right now is the Born linebackers in Brooklyn coach. Brooklyn and made his whole right. career. Went to BC, I believe, and yeah, spent his entire now. career with the Patriots. Um, obviously, the Patriot coaching tree has not been particularly successful, but <laughs> um, Flores has done has worn just about every hat. He could in New England. And again, how many coaches do you see who coach on both sides of the ball? So I, that speaks to probably his ability to be successful somewhere else. Do you think they cut Ryan Tannehill? I think they start over? Yeah, I do. Oh, yeah. I, I think that it's going to be a full wash for mm-hmm. the most part. I mean, they have some exciting components that are there right now, but they need a, a massive overall uh, overhaul, and it's got to start at the quarterback position with Tannehill. I think he's done. Uh, I think Tannehill, if you were to ask him right now, if we were to go downstate here in the, in the Sunshine State and you meet face-to-face, he, he's probably thinking he's done with Miami. I, I think for, for fantasy purposes, and kind of bring it back to the core of what this podcast is, is Kenyon Drake finally going to be the guy? That's the question Man, we're all asking. Give right? him a chance. What a fascinating time for the division where Adam Gase goes from Miami to the Jets. Flores is going to go from New England to Miami. So you have all this just it's like an inbreeding in this division. I don't it's, know what to call bizarre. it. Yeah. It's bizarre. They don't like to see other people, just themselves. So it's strange. We'll see how it shakes out. An interesting point, though. Just just wanted to mention. We can go back to the Rams and Tlaib, who's not been playing up to snuff. He left um, the game against Dallas briefly for potential concussion. Like, he just hasn't been fully healthy. And um, that's when they got shredded. In that game, yes. when Tlaib went out, he is such an integral part of that secondary because Marcus Peters sucks. I, I, I don't think you can suck. I think he's a disruptive DB. He's not very good. Well, he is, I will admit, um, liable to particular focus lapses, lapses in, in focus. But but still, I, I do think he's like a disruptive. He's got a lot of breakups. Like, I, I don't I don't I don't think his play is something that you can say. He doesn't allow himself to get shredded when he's healthy because he did have a calf injury. I know everyone was talking about the Michael Thomas game, over 200 yards, but he also wasn't 100% healthy. They are healthy now. And so Sean McVay is going to try to give it to Belichick. I think the other interesting thing about Sean McVay is when you watch him on the sidelines, he's feeling the moment. Like, he's taking big breaths. And that, to me, is really refreshing Feeling the moment or choking on the moment? That that field goal from the one-yard line. He is a modern analytics coach, okay? When he does that, that tells me he's tight in a big moment. 
I think McVeigh, I wouldn't be surprised if he had that kind of mistake in the Super yeah, Bowl. Yeah, but Just if he had went for it no and experience. they hadn't gotten it, you would have heard the Listen, like. math. It's been proven. It's, it's like a blackjack hand. We no, I'm with Scott on this one. Against yeah. a 10. Yeah, I think that there's also a sign of like maturity and temperance. And we have to you had, I think, I our love friend Sean Mark Stopa. I want to make this, he, he, if you redrafted all the coaches right now, I would take him first unquestionably. But that was that was a mistake. Will you, get away you with it. say what um, Mark Stopa said about it? Because I do think that that's a particularly interesting. Yeah, Mark Stopa, um, Stopa Law Firm League, uh, his analogy was it was like McVeigh was at the blackjack table and he raised his bet on a hand. And then he didn't have the nerve to take a hit on 15 against a 10 because, oh, this is a big hand. The stakes are high. I don't want to get knocked out right now. So we'll see. We will see. But I think we're all agreement. Uh, Go Rams, right? Tell me this. Tell me this. (laughs) (laughs) This is the first time I've said this all year. I've been fading Gronkowski all year, but I thought he looked healthy and active and dangerous in that Kansas City game. How are the Rams? Now, give him credit, right? Thomas went ballistic against him in the first matchup. Thomas was not really a factor in that second game, in in the championship game. I want to know how the Rams are going to stop Gronkowski because there's no good. Even though Gronkowski doesn't have the same agility as he used to, he's still the biggest guy on the field. I don't think Mark Barron, our, our middle linebacker, is going to be our up to middle the, linebacker. God, the bandwagon. <laughs> there's still room, Scotty. There's still room on there. Has McVeigh put you on the staff? Are you a quality control assistant? Or I something? mean, we are the same height. Okay. So, are you that. a sideline coach? The guy that you know, make sure he doesn't run. Do you have the, the same referees? memory as McVeigh. Can you remember what you what you ate ten years ago or ten years ago? No. <laughs> Um, I can tell you I had some delicious paella last night. Yeah, it was um, good. And so, all right, let's talk about oh, – No, wait a second. Were we going to give our picks? Pa- Patriots and under. You're obviously we taking did. the Rams. No, Patriots I and mean, under. Yeah, I'm taking the under, I'm, taking the Pats. And I got New England with the line open at plus one, which is a miracle in and of itself because, again, everywhere you go, it's minus two and a half. Uh, public action is heavy on New England. About 82% of the public spread tickets, according to Sports Insights, right now. On New England, uh, I wouldn't be surprised. So you know, means the, Sharks, the line's going to move, right? The, the line's going to move, and it's probably going to move. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised by kickoff. It's like New England minus three and a half because the Sharps, they're they're waiting, kind of hanging out in the weeds right now in the shadows, seeing where the public action is, and then they'll swoop in and make their decision probably on Saturday or Friday. So watch that line action. I think there's going to be significant movement one way or another based on what the Sharps do. Here's what it comes down to for me. Jared Goff hasn't looked right for about two months. And for the Rams to win this game, Goff has to play better than Brady. He and has to I, be more than a manager, which not, he's I'm been an confident. average manager at We best. have not seen no, the, the Pro Bowl level Jared Goff that we saw in the first half. I Part of it's Cooper Cup. Part of it's some other things that maybe we can't even pinpoint. But I find it hard to believe he's going to outplay Brady. Well, and what about Todd Gurley? I mean, Todd Gurley's kind healthy. of taking a backseat to C.J. Anderson. The claims are he's not healthy. Gurley no, himself. No, the team is claiming that he is. Yeah, exactly. But so, we are all looking at him and seeing he Are we? Is I mean, not. I think C.J. Anderson right now is just a more effective back because he's fresher. I mean, he's a guy that only had, what, uh, 90 touches or so, you know, up until last week on the entire season. Yeah, and when the Raiders kicked him in the curb, I thought his career was over. Oh, I did too. I mean, when he he looked washed up completely, he was he was a definition, the epitome of Ham and Ayer, uh when he went to to Carolina. I mean, he he looks like a weeble wobble out there, a, a teapot on wheels. He, yeah, a, a rolling beer keg. Well, he looks um, like. Remember, Jerome Bettis broke in with the Rams two years. He reminded me of that Jerome yeah, Bettis two years stint. You know, uh, he's gotten a lot thicker. Um, nothing, you know, no, no lateral movement. He's not sidestepping guys. He's just running straight ahead. It's nature on means balls. Yeah, it, it really is. is. It's very effective right now. Well, um, he wasn't as effective in the game against the Saints, despite the fact that they had key well, injuries. The Saints, 
even even down rankings. I mean, they just plug the run. They've done it all year. That was going to be a start. But he had like his hands weren't great. There was a a, like a missed a handoff. Right. He almost dropped a ball like they were. They were things I also think. I mean, I agree with you, Scott, about about Jared Goff completely. He hasn't looked right. I was at that game against Dallas and was biting my nails a couple of times. Um, And interestingly, in the New Orleans game, you saw Sean McVay looking at him saying, did you not hear me? Like what? And we all know about the noise at, you know, in, in New Orleans. Remember the Goff running to the sidelines to tell his tight end the play? I've never seen a, a quarterback move oh, yeah, that much. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That yeah, was I've awesome. That, either. that was, that was awesome. Yeah. But that is, I mean, we have known that Sean McVay has been playing Cyrano de Bergerac sure. in Goff's ear. So I would say the Patriots like to use every advantage. Maybe if you're the Rams, you make a couple of audio checks right before the game. Belichick with two weeks. They've been there before. The experience matters in a, in a, in a stage sure, this big. Sure. I'd be surprised if the Rams didn't come out tight. I, I think that would probably be. And that game accurate. plays to the under. Pound New England and under. And look, I had the Chiefs last week. <laughs> I I'm, I'm not a homer saying here. I thought New England would cover. I'm not. I'm not. I'm, if I'm if I'm putting action on this game, I'm not taking the Rams. That doesn't mean I'm not going to. I'm happy well, to really the, the be smart, wrong. The smart money bet here, and, and Scott would probably agree with me. If if you are going to side with the Rams, just take the money line. Just take it. Get the you know get the better odds and take the money. Line. When you're under three, you're really just picking. A you have to, Nobody yeah, picks the pick Rams and says, "Well, they're going to lose by a point." You know, yeah. and I'm, I'm getting or two. two. And a half. Yeah, exactly. You, you, you take the points, but you're really saying, "I think they're going to win." So Brad's right. If you are on the Rams side, just take the money line and get the get the improved juice. And we'll have some player props. Uh, there's a whole new props episode. Coming up next week about this game. Matt Harmon's going to dive in on that, I believe. Proper. Right? Is that correct? Yeah. yeah. Thank you, Producer Brett. Producer Brett. Producer Brett is in here with us. Yeah. yeah. Laying back on a pillow. Do you have any thoughts about the FST since you've been here? Uh, I uh, I arrived after everything was over. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> I showed I iPod only. I don't I don't network. I don't go to awards. We got iPod snubbed. only. We were nominated. This podcast was nominated for award, but we didn't take home the oh, we, we the had crystal, a Titanic call. Whatever. We have nothing to complain we did. about. We did pretty good. Thank you, FSTA, yeah. FSGA. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It was a good hey. run this year. It was always yeah. next. Fantasy always next year live getting an award and we got all the hardware. Yeah, we have the best the commissioner, side. best app. Um yeah. and a nod to our um to product the game, team. the product team. Those guys work their tails you know, Guy, mm-hmm. Guy Lake and Dan Haight and uh, Laz, Michael Lazarus. I'm awesome. I could, uh, Michael Grab, and those guys are fantastic. And they did a, I'm just really proud to be out in front of those guys with It's this cool game. to work with actual engineers who are true fantasy sports enthusiasts, but also, therefore, well, and also care very much about a user and customer experience. Yeah, so they're all players Y'all too. are benefiting from their genius and their enthusiasm. Um, we're also going to, you're also hopefully going to benefit from what I'm going to ask Brad and Scott next. You know, on the last episode, I asked Matt and Dalton at the end of the season, um, what they had learned, uh, if there was anything that you might adjust going into 2019. And so what are your thoughts? What were you right about all year that you want to brag about? Nothing. <laughs> I was, I was wrong about true. everything. That's not no, the true. only, the only thing I got right. And actually Dalton Del Don and I were both on the same page was Mahomes. We had him top 10. Uh, I had him as high as seven at one point, And then, Put my tail between my legs. Um, you know, at the beginning or right before the beginning of the season, moved him down. I think to ten. Oh, you didn't nine. have huevos about it. No, it was uh, team raisins. Mm. Uh, I got a little skittish for some stupid reason and slid him down just a little bit more. But I was still top ten in the end. I mean, you saw the skill set in college. 
uh, you know that Andy Reid is uh, a brilliant offensive mind and they would make the right decisions with him. And but he I mean, he exceeded all of my wildest expectations and anybody's. I mean, he was he was just such a, a marvel, you know, with the no look passes and the mobility and just the, so the where do laser. you think he gets picked i'm not asking you He'll where you're ranking round him. pick you think, I think and i first will round. not be investing at that i agree on both point. of those things second round pick i won't be in either i think he's going the first round like well it depends upon scoring format if, if you're if you're talking points. a traditional now six point per passing touchdown league or all touchdown not league, four right yeah he, he's probably in the conversation in the back end around one he'll right. go in the first round of the most casual of leagues correct any league with any experience is not going to go that no i mean because we all wait on quarterbacks anymore Plus, we know should. we know how important a bell cow running back is there aren't that many um that was one of the things i got right this year is i said my first pick has to be a running back Yep. No more of the zero RB. I mean, you know, it's great. You can find somebody in the late rounds or waiver wire pickup who does great at running back. Those guys will always emerge, but you can't plan on that. If your league is any good, everybody else is fighting for those guys too. So I got I mean, that. What's old is new again. You're right. And just to speak to that, mm-hmm. I mean, the running theory is alive and well. I mean, historically, we would always preach running back, running back, running back in the first three rounds of your draft. You know, we're not necessarily advocating that, but I've already participated in a couple of mocks, like stupid early mocks, and it is dominated. It, you know, it's old school by running backs in round one. Plus, remember what these backs do now is they catch 50 to 70 passes. In the case of Christian McCaffrey, maybe 100 passes. So, you know, Todd Gurley's going to catch 70 passes. And we've seen Zeke Elliott has finally been incorporated in the passing game. We'll get Le'Veon Bell next year. Well, and Nick Chubb now threat. in this air raid style with Monken calling yep. the shots as offensive Maybe David Johnson and, and with, with, you know, with a with a better setup. Was he really set up to fail last year? So, you know, he'll be back and play. Well, let's let's dig into to running backs because yeah, we posted our way way too early rankings um by the way i got plenty of things wrong i'm just not going to mention them right now <laughs> <laughs> i'd be fair about that full disclosure uh, Royce Freeman, guilty as charged i was doing you I a solid little, here very Scott, little, very little Mahomes, by the way I, let me just mention my mistake really quickly i i think i was really good with fading players i didn't have fournette i didn't have uh brady and gronkowski um a bunch of other guys i faded who were strong fades but i don't think i was target driven enough i think i was more agnostic take what the room gives me oh this value is good and next year, I actually want to say the players I really want to get, I'm going to be a little bit more proactive sticking my neck out and getting them. Go get your boy. Yeah. All right. Do more of that. Get next you guys. Year. What are we saying? Yeah. You and I have said that. I, I don't know. I We talked about my whiffs. They were both Mahomes and Fournette. So we don't need to dwell on it anymore. <laughs> New year. <laughs> um, so interestingly, when looking at your ranks, you both have nine of the 10 same players, but Brad Includes David Johnson and Scott. Your outlier is Joe Mixon. Yeah, you know, Mixon, a little bit younger model. Um, Cincinnati had a terrible year, but it wasn't Mixon's fault. He's going to be a three down back. It looks like Gio Bernard is a really easy cut for them. So I just feel like I'm getting in on the trajectory. The mileage seems a little bit better for Mixon. And even though I talked earlier about Johnson with the new coaching staff, I mean, we still don't know if Cliff Kingsbury is going to work in the NFL or not. Right. Granted, the Bengals have all sorts of problems too, but I thought Mixon even on a bad team last year, and it really got ugly once Dalton got hurt. He's one of those few three down backs. And uh, I think he's, I think he should be in the top 10 for everybody's list next year. I think he'll be a second round. Pick. He's carrying the offense. Well, he is. I mean, he's a centerpiece. I mean, they, they, they made some improvements on the offensive line via the draft last mm-hmm. year. Uh, you saw some strides in that category. They still need to trend upward. Uh, that line is still below average across the board. Eddie Dalton's got to play better. You got to hope AJ Green's healthy and 100% ready to go. But even one. when that line wasn't at 100%, Mixon was still finding holes. Well, and, and, they, and to speak to what Scott's saying, it's a volume game, right? And, and they're, they were utilizing him out wide on occasion. Uh, he was very active in the pass game. So he's getting those Very touches. efficient in the passing game, and too. And even against stiff competition, he was put, 
putting up consistently, you know, 90 to 110 combined yards and find the end zone regularity. So he's safe. You know, if, if you're talking about ceiling floor, uh, the floor is very high for Joe Mixon just based on volume alone. But you include David Johnson. And it's an interesting thing because I'm I'm going to assume that you include David Johnson because his talent is spectacular. But we are now in a place where C.J. Anderson, who we talked about earlier, and Damian Williams, these quote, uh, running, you know, these running backs who maybe haven't shown up, right, who were right. cut by other teams. Uh, <laughs> and we're thinking about the like, does running back talent matter or is it? completely scheme dependent but david johnson for you like i'm imagining that his talent because it is so exceptional does matter and that's why you've included it, it. matters and it fits i think the air raid system that mm-hmm. kingsbury is going to run perfectly a lot of misdirection a lot of spread uh, it's almost exclusively shotgun josh rosen's a terrible fit for it i think i honestly believe i love this i w- i just want to well, preface we were talking that I, about yeah. this yeah at, at dinner you know this is my bold prediction of the offseason i think it's we, so smart. we've already heard you know some rumors uh through back channels that this is a possibility but i think rosen gets dealt before the draft, I think Kyler Murray's going to be the top pick unless Arizona trades down, knowing that they could maybe get him at six or seven. And I think Rosen goes to the Giants. And the Giants are probably likely to give up a first-rounder for him because they need an heir apparent to Eli Manning. Who his agents reported do expect him to return. Of course, there's, this is agent speak, so there's some Yeah, there's posturing. a lot of overlap here, so it does make sense. It, it's just whether or not does Kingsbury believe, in his own words back in October, when he was asked, when, you know, then he was head coach of Texas Tech, you know, would you take Kyler Murray uh, in the first round of, of the NFL if you're a head coach or a GM? And he said, absolutely, without question. He's, he, despite his diminutive frame, uh, the guy that's going to be a very divisive player, uh, you know, once the combine numbers come out, once the draft rolls around just because of his small stature. But God, he's a freak athlete and a guy that fits that air raid to a T. So to get back to David Johnson, uh, but by the way, it wouldn't be completely space. unprecedented unprecedented for a team to move on from a quarterback early. I mean, the Falcons drafted Brett Favre in the second round and traded him after one year. Yeah, I mean, exactly. it's, it's happened yeah. before a few times. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I think that's an, a very astute point there, Scotty. And and so just to get back to David Johnson because of the misdirection, because of the spacing that the air raid creates. If you have a competent passer there. You know, deliver the goods down the field with consistency and accuracy. That just opens the ground game up even more. And we know how freakish of a receiver that David Johnson is. I think you're going to see him line up in the slot a ton. I also think he's going to be a pretty intense value. How? I mean, Mike he, McCoy, he will. Mike McCoy had no idea what he was doing with Johnson. Well, and I think Leftwich really didn't either. It's just odd. It, it was so criminally he was so criminally misused by McCoy, and the, the fact I it, I find it comical that McCoy's still getting interviews. I mean, the Jaguars has interviewed him recently. It's like he's got to get fired for the third time in the season. When are teams going to realize it's better to fail with a new idea than an old idea? I mean, Mike McCoy is an old idea. The That's outside why of, I appreciate the, the unknown. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and a lot of people. Is it a wild card? Could he fall flat sure. on his face? Absolutely. But, but give yourself the, the upside of a modern coach. Yeah, and a modern system. Back to the running back rankings, Brad. We're going to split hairs here, but I think we have to talk about the top three. You have Gurley at one and Zeke at three. Scott, you have those reversed. Zeke is up top. I'm assuming that's because of uh, the volume in the passing game that we saw him take on. Yeah, a year younger, too, or at least one year younger in his career. This also speaks to the fact that last year I wanted the one pick. I was willing to lie, beg, borrow, and steal to get the one pick. This year I'd be very happy with anything in the top three. So I think next year it's going to be a little bit safer when you land further down the first round. But um, if I did have the first pick right now, and of course we're months away, not that far, but a few months away from drafting, I would take Elliott just one year 
you know, um, of less mileage on, on his uh, on his body. And the one one season, of course, he was suspended. So I think we should also add, obviously, number two is Saquon Barkley. And we're all in agreement well, and full disclosure. I right now, as it stands, I've got Gurley there, but I may convince myself as, you know, the the months wear on. I may put Barkley. You one. could take Barkley one. I have no and, problem. And I don't with disagree that. with any perspective that Scott had on Zeke Elliott. He's 100 percent right. I mean, it's really a one A, one B, one C kind of situation here. And. You know, even if you're further down the ladder, I mean, there's some just tremendous running backs. We're going to talk about Nick Chubb, I think, here in a minute. But, you know, I'm not disparaging anybody. I I think Elliott has one of the safest floors imaginable. And that's why Scott is probably arguing and advocating for him at one overall. I think Saquon is in a very similar conversation. There still need to be, uh, um, you know, offensive upgrades made this offseason, whether via free agency or the draft for the Giants. But Barkley's just a freak of nature and young. And we like that. It doesn't have as high as mileage. Things went about as bad as they could for Barkley, and he has still had a monster season. Eli wasn't good. Beckham was hurt for a while. The O-line was trash. O-line was trash. Engram had a really poor second season, and it didn't stop. It didn't seem to matter. Barkley was great anyway. I think he only had two games where he uh, failed to reach 100 combined yards. I think that's it. That is the keys of the kingdom right there, to have that kind of consistency. Yep. In any week, he could be the number one scoring player. He could be the one guy you had to have in your DFS lineup. But even when he has a quote-unquote off game, you're still getting 125 total yards. Well, even if touchdown. he only yep. had 20 rushing yards, he'd put up 80 receiving. Exactly. So that versatility the jack of all us. trades guys yeah. that's never matters with him right you know that that is huge too right fantastic like, player um i do I'm make sure i have some barkley next year we're gonna ta- we're oh, gonna yeah. talk about um nick chubb but i i personally am a little conflicted about christian mccaffrey i will fully admit heading into this season i didn't really think that rivera was gonna well, they were Honor talking about promise. 30 times a game. Right. And I was like, I, I don't uh, no way. You don't you don't add CJ Anderson for all that. But my other concern was that could Christian McCaffrey return on peak value? You were drafting him at peak value. Could he really do better than what the RB7 that he was being drafted at? He sure did. So now I think we all are ranking him inside the top five. In fact, at the number four spot. The question is, I mean, we have to say like that he's now going to be drafted at peak value again. Can he return on that well, hefty well, yeah. price? So this, this price is something tag. that we talk about in fantasy baseball all the time for years. And, and Scott, you, you know exactly where I'm going to come from. Do you pay for the career year on the expectation that it can be matched or exceeded? I mean, it's already historic. He, right. He's you know number one uh, all time in most receptions by a running back in a single season, passing Matt Forte. Though I think Larry Sanders, if you include fullbacks, I think Larry Sanders had one year that was a little bit more than uh, McCaffrey in that category. You could look that up. But I don't I don't think he can meet the level of output that he had. So you'll pay for the year. floor. But you'll pay for the floor. And the other uh, lingering question here is what the hell is going on with Cam Newton? Cam yeah, Newton, well, yeah. right. Yeah. I mean, there's there is a realistic possibility that Cam Newton. I mean, there was whispers that he may sit out next year. Uh, that shoulder is an issue. Uh, he hasn't gone under the knife. We don't know what's going to happen. a lot there. of moving parts. We don't know the status of Greg Olson. Entering his age or, 30 well, season. That's true. Olsen claims he's coming back, but he's really good in the booth or on Also set. has a, a consistent foot problem. He does. Like it is now a he recurring does. foot issue. And he's a family man with some issues at home with his yeah, kids. Uh, a, yeah. I love Greg Olson. I, I hope he gets out of the game, you know, a year early rather than a year late. Uh, so there, there are a lot of lingering questions here. and But the one safe is McCaffrey. 
Uh, I just, you know, I, I'm not going to. Does the body type worry you? I just look at his body. Yeah. And, I, and I know, look, they use him proactively as a receiver. You could almost say he is a receiver, right? And and that's the way I want him used. I want this usage well, to continue Well, they're using Moore and Samuel and Christian McCaffrey in some sometimes interchangeably. Like, they're all these yeah, hybrid gadget I want players. McCaffrey tackled by the smallest guys in the defense, not the biggest sure. guys in the defense. <laughs> yes. That's a priority for me. Now, this year they got it right. I hope they get it right next year because that's – a big difference between I can see him lasting most of the season or all season and he's going to play nine games. Well, he's, he's a modern day Reggie Bush. That's exactly who he is. Right. So just Damn don't him let with him... faint praise, man. It's the best you could do. Well, what? Reggie had some amazing seasons early in his career. At USC? In New Orleans. Well, that's true. At USC, most certainly. He was an okay fantasy back. I mean, last year, nobody ever won their league by having Reggie Bush. Last year, you could have won your league by having Christian McCaffrey. The year that he went over a thousand on the ground of Miami, he was extraordinary. He was good. Useful. Yeah. He was, and he was a great value that year. I mean, this Reggie Bush talk is fantastic, but <laughs> let's get back to let's get back to the year 2019 and talk about Le'Veon Bell. We're ranking him inside the top ten. Any it's a placeholder? On, it's a placeholder. Yeah, okay. We don't know where he is. We don't know where he's. Well, going. you know, well, we're going to uh, get questions about it, so let's address. Well, we're in Tampa way. right now, and this is a, a perfect prime location where he could wind up. Now, salary wise, the Buccaneers got to unload. Uh, in the offseason to afford the services of a Le'Veon based on what he's command. But Arians is here. They've got an established relationship. There's a clear need at running back because Ronald Jones was a, a disaster. Sure. Uh, Peyton Barber Peyton, also wasn't well, Peyton the... Peyton Barber uh, was serviceable. I, you know, Peyton he's not the answer. They know when? he's not the answer. No, he's not the answer. He was serviceable. He wasn't terrible. He'd be a great me. number two back, actually. Yeah, he can't be your starter. Agree. He's on a one-year minimum league deal. He's not that bad. So I think he's getting paid four hundred thousand. He's a nice steps player, but you need to do better than that with your. So first what? Shot. What they do? You know what they could do is: are they going to shell out the big bucks to bring Le'Veon Bell in? It makes a ton of sense, uh, based on Arians and that relationship. Yeah, that that's exists. a nice fit. I think it's a very dumb fiscal move uh, for this organization that's attempting to rebuild. They have so many holes on defense. That's where they need to make the and investment. hashtag running back talent doesn't matter. And the, the next Le'Veon Bell is in this draft class. His name is Dave Montgomery, kid out of Iowa State who is the spitting image of him in terms of his versatility. Uh, he's you know, about the same level of athlete. I think that's going to be proven at the, um, you know, the combine. He's a guy that, you know, maybe in the back half of round one, maybe in round two, depending upon, you know, the buzz that surrounds him. And, you know, we, we talk about, is it worth investing in a round one running back? Saquon Barkley was amazing, but the Giants bombed. Though that you brought up the Sony Michelle example, and where is New England? And he's a, a key cog in that system. But if I am running the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I don't sign Lev. I go out and find the next guy who's a hell of a lot cheaper, who's going to be equally as effective in my And doesn't have the uh, wear and tear. Unless you can somehow convince Bell to take an undermarket offer, I think he's a sucker play. He's got a lot of mileage, and he's, he's going to the Jets. Yeah, I can see that they have the cap room. They want to make a splash. He's I don't going think they to the should Jets, sign him, but I can and see then Gase it. will give him like twelve touches per game. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, between Gase and the offensive coordinator they signed, I weep for Sam Darnold. I love Darnold. I think he can be a great player, but That's maybe I not with Kingsbury. those guys. I wanted Kingsbury yeah. and Darnold to Royal, sink. That up. Royal guy, Matt Royal, was in play there for a while, and you know he wasn't allowed to hire uh, his own remember, staff. Remember, which Gase insanity. was like the hot it dude. Just a couple of years ago. To be fair, he had he never had consistent quarterback play or even quarterback health in Miami. So if you're pro Gase, you'd say, well, that was a losing hand. How are you going to win with Brock Osweiler? We have talked about Adam Gase way too much on this podcast, so I don't want to go back down there. We can talk about Nick Chubb, though, because he is someone who certainly made a splash. And I remember when he was drafted, we were all completely stunned that he was drafted by uh, Cleveland because they had brought in Carlos, Carlos Hyde. Hyde at the time. Yeah. Um 
And so we so Duke Johnson too. Yep. Well, ugh. well, and yeah, we in Duke, you know, Duke showing flashes, and then they—that's another guy that was just completely misused, underused. It was ridiculous. Uh, but that will change in Monken's system, hundred percent. I think it Duke started to, but and also Freddie got... did a great job when he took over. I mean, now he's been promoted to a position where he's not going to call the plays anymore. But uh, Nick Chubb is, I think, a defendable first round pick next year. Oh, it, it, I think it's, he's an indisputable. Okay. First round pick. Um, you think he's a top ten, top eight kind yeah, of guy? Yeah, I, I think he's a guy. If we're talking about that next tier, who's the one player that could leap mm-hmm. into the top three overall in twenty twenty drafts? I think Nick Chubb's that guy. And the reason I say that is because it, it is going to be more of an air raid style system that doesn't necessarily benefit a big bruising running back. But Chubb had some high degree of difficulty catches mm-hmm. late in the year. That's an area where he really impressed me more so than how he was utilized at Georgia. That's going to carry over in this system, and I think he's he's an excellent fit. And you know, we know that Baker Mayfield's got to elevate. Plus, his you game. love to run from spread love formations. It. You can make big plays. I mean, he was making yeah. splashy plays when Hugh Jackson was still there. You know, the yeah. Oakland game when, when he was he given the opportunity. Right. You yeah. know, Oakland game with like two or three touches, he goes over hundred yards. yards. That's right. Yeah, it's almost impossible to do. But yeah, Chubb's Chubb's an ascending talent. You want the running backs early in their career. Mayfield is going to make defenses have to be honest. I'd like to see them get one more impactful receiver. A boundary wide receiver is exactly what they need. You know, Brandon Funson and I, Brandon, of course, uh, at The Athletic, we were talking about this the other day. Guy like uh, Tyler Williams from the Chargers. He's a free agent. He's that, he would be an excellent fit. Tyrell Williams. Or Tyrell, excuse me, uh, Tyrell Williams. They would be an excellent fit working opposite of Antonio Callaway. And then you still have David Njoku there. To go along with Chubb, I think that's the name to watch that could wind up in Cleveland unless they invest via the uh, the draft. Is Mayfield the number two talent in the league right now? If we were redrafting everybody. Uh, Mahomes would go first immediately. Yeah, would Mayfield be the second pick. Uh, I think there's a strong argument to be made. I just love the fact, just to get to stick on Baker here for a second, that she had a come to Jesus moment about what what was it week six, week seven with Baker. I love him. Now you've come full yep. circle. Like she, she had reservations, questions, and it, a lot of it was, you know, size. You know, can he come in and size play? doesn't matter. Size and personality. You thought his personality might be a little edgy, a little Manzellish in a way. I, I didn't make the direct Manzell comp. You went like, Manzell on him. I did not. Apology, I did, please. I did come not. on, you, get it out here. I did, you you no, had some because, concerns, but I didn't use that comp because I felt like that comp was tired. But. I will say that I, I was concerned about his size and I was concerned about uh, his ego. And sometimes a giant ego will handicap you. You want your quarterback to be the most confident player in the field. But I also want him to be able to absorb information from more experienced coaches. And sometimes, I, I mean, I think that's kind of a – I liked Josh Rosen a lot because of his ego. And I think it's worked against him a little. He had a lot working against him. But, you know, you and I will continue to fight about Josh Rosen because I thought he looked much better than you did. On the tennis court, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, they, yeah I'm maybe, just getting it the today. Wow. Um, but yes, nobody I, comes to his birthday party. I like <laughs> this is not the draft movie written by the NFL, by the way. Um, mean, even Kevin Costner has washed his hands of Josh Rosen. That's what it's come to. <laughs> this is rough. Jerry Maguire will not you're represent gonna, Josh you're Rosen. come around to this. I mean, maybe goes to New York. And I said I enjoyed it. I he, set he you up to, out, to make a brilliant point that I agreed with. He's got to get out of Arizona. Let, that's fine. Great. Let him get out of Arizona. I have no – I'm completely in agreement. In but terms of Baker Mayfield, Baker, yeah. I dig his his swag. I dig that he goes after some of these journalists, I'm if sorry, you will. Baker Mayfield. Like, signed Liz Loza. I am sorry. I am sorry. Right. Like, I don't – I would say probably next time – Do you have the, the Baker poster on your wall now? The one with the Tiger? Against the, yeah, the collar no, shirtless. No, I don't think you should – That's a good one. Plus, you're going to make a million – 
Baker Kitchens puns last year. <laughs> we know that both of you, both of you guys are. Brad yeah. may Brad yeah, may I'll, be actually restricted from that. But. Yeah, uh, there's it's limitless in its potential. But, but where where do you draft Baker Mayfield from a fantasy perspective? Is he a locked top ten quarterback he next year? I say absolutely. Receiver, but who's going to drag him? Who's the receiver yeah. going? Well, to you still him? have Landry there. I mean, it's just they get a boundary receiver. You know, again, via free agency or the draft, it fixes everything. I hope they, if they do that, I will reevaluate. I think he might be a little bit of a trap in part because I think this is going to be Chubb's off. Would you rather have Darnold? Well, no. Not anymore. uh, I think Baker Mayfield's on that 12 to to 14 range for me right now. I'd be fine with Baker. I wouldn't draft him proactively. I'd let him fall to me. I'd let him fall to me. That's another guy, too, that I think is is going to. You guys are giving me invaluable information for our auction draft in July, which is obscenely early. I've already qualified for the playoffs. uh, $20, Baker Mayfield. Going once, twice, sold to me. Thank you very much. (laughs) Have fun with that. All right. Any closing thoughts? Because we are going to get out of here, maybe hydrate a little bit, get some breakfast. um, More coffee. More coffee. More coffee for you. Any closing thoughts? Scott, it's so nice to be here in person with you. What are your closing thoughts or wishes or hopes for your New England Patriots as they enter Atlanta? I hope they win and I hope everybody who is in that retirement range, thinks about retiring. I think Brady should get out while he has his health. I think Gronkowski will retire. And by the way, I'm to tease something here. I, I talked about one of the mistakes I made this year. I think I didn't do enough best ball drafts. I'm just going to say, plant this flag in the air. I'm going to do more best ball drafts in 2019. Yes. I'm going to bring you along with me. I think that I think that's a pretty say. astute prediction. All right. With that, you can follow us on Twitter and submit your questions to at Yahoo Fantasy. I'm at Liz Loza underscore FF. That is at Scott underscore Pianowski. And of course, at Yahoo Noise. We out. Uh, yeah, peace. Peace Battle out. Pat. Noise out. Pat's out. <laughs> <laughs>